Welcome to episode 226 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we preview the NRLW Grand Final. We review the first month of the 2022 NRL season and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 226 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, we are one month into the NRL season. Are you still as excited uh, as, as you were when Unreal began a month mm. ago. Well, uh, Dr. T, I am. Uh, look, I'll, firstly, hello to everybody out there. Um, you know, thank you for, for joining us. But absolutely, Dr. T, still quite excited. It's been quite uh, quite crazy. Uh, we've had some very unreal moments in the first uh, month of, of Rugby League. We had another unreal moment um, with, uh, with, I know, I'm sure we're going to be talking about uh, their performance Um but yeah, it's look another great round of rugby league. I've got to say though, like uh, unlike the first sort of three rounds, this round was uh, had a few more blowouts. So I don't know if uh, some of the yeah the separation is starting to happen between the good, the bad, and the ugly, Doctor T. But how about yourself? Yeah, look, I, I think I tend to agree. I think now the teams are starting to hit their stride. The ones mm. that are you know, separating the contenders from the pretenders, I think. Uh, so, but I th- I'm still, there's still a few question marks for me for, for a couple of the teams. I'm still not sure mm. how they're going to land. I still, as you know, I'll repeat this again. I have predicted uh, from our crystal ball. My crystal ball told me that the Roosters will not make the top eight. Wow. Uh, and I, every now and again, I, um, I'm questioning my the the truthfulness of my crystal ball because mm. <laughs> because uh, every now and again they put on some scintillating football, but I guess it is a long season. Yeah, so we'll wait and see. And um, you know, as we saw last year, and in fact last couple of years, the it's really tight at the bottom end of the top eight, and there's a lot of big bunch up of teams that and it could go either way. And in fact, last year I think it was not many points at all separating first spot from eighth. So. You know, this is uh, this is the nature of rugby league in in the NRL nowadays. It's it's going to be close, and uh, you know, you may get one team that sort of uh, streaks ahead of the rest, but um, it wasn't. It, it's not always a case. I mean, we kind of if you would ask the the regular punter, how did the Panthers go last year? They would probably say, well, they they swept um, all comers before them. And uh, you know, no, that wasn't really the case. Like it's, it was pretty close at the top. So, you know, there's uh, literally a couple of wins that the couple of close wins that they w- didn't get, and we'd be talking about them outside the top four instead of minor premiers. So, um, yeah, it's it's a, it's this close. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, look. 
we've got a lot to get to. So I better not. I better stop rambling because we've mm. got a, a huge episode. Uh, the NRLW Grand Final is upon us, and uh, we are going to talk about what we're expecting to see there as well. And we're going to also take a look back on the last, uh, well, the first month of this 2022 NRL season. Uh, you know, we've just hit April, and I think. I think it's time, you know, as we crack open the hot cross buns and Easter chocolates um, to, to reflect back on that first, all-important first month in the NRL, uh, you know, how, what have we started to see, uh, all that sort of stuff. So we'll talk about that as well. And uh, Tish, shall we just jump into it? Yeah, let's get into it. All right. So here are the six tackles and tackle number one, our review of round four. Here we go. Right. So as Tish, you mentioned, uh, there were some blowouts. Uh, I'll quickly go through all the scores and then we'll pick, pinpoint our highlights of the weekend. So uh, the first game was Titans winning a tight one, 8-6 against the West Tigers. Um, probably, uh, <laughs> well, we'll talk about that. Well, I guess I can mention now as we're going through, but one of the highlights of that was the only try scored was in the last minute yep. and it was the, the most fumbling of tries, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. it was a ridiculous try. Uh, the Tigers were all set to win, but mm. um, well, we can talk about later lowlights. Cause I think the low light would be the decision-making of the Tigers in terms <laughs> of uh, handing the ball back to the t- Titans yeah. with a minute to go. Absolute uh, brainless in my view but anyway mm. let's I'll hold off on any more discussion until at the end so sharks 18-0 against the knights the panthers 26 to 12 against the rabbitos the warriors 20 to 6 against the broncos manly 25 canberra raiders 6 the roosters 28 to 4 flogging the cowboys and then the two biggest floggings of the weekend melbourne storm 44-0 against the bulldogs followed up by the Eels 48-14 to 14 against the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Tish, uh, yeah, highlights, lowlights, over to you. <laughs> Which well, ones well, do you want to pick on? Look, look. Um, as you can see, with all the games um, this week, you could see that there's been probably a two-try difference between most of the scores, um, apart from the Gold Coast West Tigers game, which... Um, which even in the commentary, people were talking about how bad of a game it was. And it was really quite terrible. Two teams that um, look like that they had, it was the first time they ever met their fellow teammates, you know, um, you know running <laughs> well, in front to be of- fair, it's been raining a lot. Maybe they haven't been training as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so certainly, certainly some sinking issues. Um, you know, it was it was kind of kind of there, and then uh, yeah, as you said, a you know some really bad decision making. I think um, I actually changed the channel because I was like, "What are you guys doing?" Like I thought, no way, and then turned it back, and it was an absolutely awful, uh, awful, awful decision to take the two. Just really showed it was like um, it was like a game where both neither team wanted to lose, but they. They, they were kind of trying to avoid the loss more than going for the win, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And, you know, and, yeah, it was it, – it, look, it looked like the Tigers were gutted. And, uh, and you know, what I found weird was Michael McGuire was talking about, um, you know, this is what the type of performance they could give. I mean, yes, the, clo- the scoreline was close. They had victory in the bag, but 
I don't think I'd be proud about how well they played, uh, but they certainly gave. I mean, they they were they gave effort, I suppose, but it was just it just wasn't slick. So that was probably yeah, that was probably the low light that game uh, for me. And uh, yeah, yeah. Look, and in terms of the rest of the games, I mean, there was great attack. I mean, um, you know, some great work from the Melbourne Storm and Parramatta. Like some of their tries were absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, Ryan Pevenhausen really putting his his uh, name forward in terms of being somewhere in the New South Wales lineup, um, which would be interesting because if if he does get put into that squad, he would be the fourth fullback in the team. You know, <laughs> um, behind Tedesco, Mitchell. Um, you know, Trebojevic and now, uh, and, yeah, and potentially, uh, I think, and then Parramatta. Um, I think Parramatta in 2022, they're better than what they were in 2021. I'm just saying it out there, Doctor. So they were awesome, and uh, you know, the eel machine. We need, we need a nickname, like you know, how Camera had the green machine. Uh, Parramatta, they're, they're a juggernaut when it comes to attack, and they could really do well. So, uh, yeah, we need to come up with some sort of name for them. So, and uh, yeah, but but that was my thoughts. How about yourself, the Dr. T? Yeah, Tish, I have to agree, and it's nice to be saying nice things about the Eels for once on this podcast every week. Mm. Uh, it's not – if you look, listen back to our previous ones, I haven't always been too kind to, uh, to the Eels and some of the decisions that they're making, but I think this year – there is uh there is a, a a good vibe happening and i think the players that need to step up are starting to step up they've learned their lessons from previous years i think don't forget they were super close to defeating the eventual premiers last year in the semi-finals and they would have learned a lot from that in terms of um, how to manage a game and look at the end of the day it all boils down to the players the decision makers like Mitchell Moses and speaking of Mitchell Moses he probably gave us the highlight of the round and probably the year so far in what was a spectacular try it was a an absolute it was it started off with a simple kind of run around and uh, but it was done at such a breakneck pace and what the the, the clincher there for why this was a try of the year so far is it featured a Bryce Cartwright uh, no-look flick behind him. Yeah. Almost as as soon as he received the ball, I think it was from, it could have been from Reed Marnie, I apologise. I believe it was Ariel as well. He was not, I don't think either of his feet were in the air when he did it. That's correct. Yeah, he he, he was one of those, he had to, yeah, he had to grab it and then quickly pass it almost instinctively knew that Mitchell Moses was running around behind him. Mm. And it was such a precision pass as well. I mean, those sort of passes can go way high, as we've seen the great Benji Marshall do mm. on many occasions and, and and miss the mark completely. But this one completely got the mark. But it wasn't even over when Mitchell Moses collected that ball because he still had to get to the corner because yeah. there were still a couple of Dragons players in front of him. But his absolute speed... Um, and he he dove over, dived over. I don't know what the right word is, but anyway, um, <laughs> dived over and uh, you know managed to get the corner just before the corner post. And it was, I tell you, if you watch it in real time, you would be forgiven for thinking that uh, you know YouTube or whatever has accidentally put it on one point five speed because it just it seemed like such a very yeah. quick pair of hands from all the players involved. It was so slick. It was so awesome. And it was uh, look try of the year so far, just by the very nature of no one expected 
the Bryce Cartwright flick pass. And even after that happened, no one expected Mitchell Moses to have the speed to get to the corner. And yeah. it was just amazing. And uh, yeah, well, absolute. Look, it, on top of the way that they performed generally in that game, I mean, let's not forget, I'm, I'm trying not to get too ahead of myself because I don't think the Dragons would be considered a top-flight kind of contender this year. Um, but as I said, I, I do believe they have the potential to make the top eight. So I think they'll get better. At this stage, I think it's probably too early for them. But look, the signs are good that they they put on a bit of a masterclass, as did the Storm, you know, hours before them in uh, in Melbourne uh, against the Bulldogs. Again, another team that's not really going to um, push for the premiership, I think, this year, but, but will be fighting maybe for the top eight spot. Um, but yeah, uh, well done to the Eels. They're doing pretty well. Everyone's firing. Mm. Um, and uh, speaking of firing, Brad Arthur will not get fired this year, I think, if, yeah. <laughs> if he keeps it up. Um, well, but yeah, how sorry, do you think ahead. he coaches this uh instinct and uh, how does he coach this uh, you know, quick hands? How do you get hands that quick? Like, you know, what are they doing at training to get their hands firing so quickly? And getting uh, and getting like knowing where each other are without even looking. Uh, what I think, Doctor T, is uh, they're using their the scent. So I believe that uh, every player has got their own uh, scent, like their own cologne, and, <laughs> and you know before really? the game. So you know you could like you know if uh, where where is Moses? Why well, I could smell him. Let's pass around the back. You know. It's got to be something like that. Wow. They've got to have some sort of secret that they're doing. But um, whatever it is, whether it's height, height and smell uh, or it's just, I don't know, drill after drill after drill, they're doing something to uh, to 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 have that uh, edge that they're all enjoying each other's company. That's probably what it is, Dr. C. What, what, do, you, what do you break it down to? Uh, look, without getting too much into it, I think, uh, look, who knows? I mean, I think they're, they're just... Allow. I think it's the freedom. I think what Brad Arthur is mm. going to realize is uh, there's a place for structure, and that place is usually defense. Mm. <laughs> and then there's a place for freedom, <laughs> yeah. which is in attack. <laughs> you know. Although in saying that, I mean Melbourne Storm. You know, they they get the job done because they're clinical in attack and defense, and mm. and 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 you've got to have some structure to allow to allow for the X factor players to do their thing. Um, but you've also got to do it within a structure. So, look, I'm not going to get ahead of myself because I think the Eels have been known to um, uh, let let their confidence rest get to on their, their laurels, right? That's right. Let their confidence get to their head, and then you'll see a game in future where they uh, they just completely forget how to get to the try line, and you think, is this the same team? I don't yeah. get it. Um, it wasn't that the Dragons were poor. I think it's just the Eels were scintillating. Yeah. They just had speed. They tried things. They backed themselves. This is what they need. This is what all Eels fans have been waiting for for 40 years mm. <laughs> or, or, or thereabouts. Um, you know, 30, well, what is it, 30, 36 years. Um, we're waiting for this, a team that just, explodes and uh you know uh, entertains i mean and not and that's not to say that the the team of the 80s were entertainers but because they were, it was a very defense oriented era mm. but in within that context they had you know eric growth peter sterling brett kenny they had the most attacking players of their generation mm. and exciting players so so you know let's let that sink in for a little bit 
uh, we're talking about a team that transcended its era and ended up with four premierships in a decade. And mm. and I think the Eels have the potential to do that again if they if they find that winning formula. Um, unfortunately, this year seems to be crunch time because they're going to be losing a key player at least, which is uh, one of which is Reed Money, um, and I think he is a key to their success this year he uh, I mean we need to keep him fit so anyway let's not talk too much about the Eels because I could go on forever but yeah yeah um, that to me was without without a doubt the highlight and uh, the other sort of highlight I think was uh, um, the Roosters I think they also put on a bit of a masterclass against the Cowboys Um, not quite sure whether they can sustain it um, but they certainly, you know, again, they've got players like Joey Manu who just, you yeah. know, you, you don't even need them to fit within a structure. They just find a way to get to the try line, and it's so beautiful to watch. Um, and unfortunately, the low, I guess one of the lowlights, if you're a Manly fan, even though you won 25 to 6, I think Tommy Turbo is out for a little bit with an injury. So, yeah, um, it remains to be seen whether that's still the case, but I believe he's out for quite a quite a while. So that's not going to not going to be very good if you're a Manly fan. Um, and also, yeah, the Bulldogs look not even being able to score a point against the Storm is a bit of a worry because uh, the Storm are definitely not unbeatable this year. So I think the Bulldogs have some real kind of. Uh, navel gazing and deep thinking to do there about what they're doing wrong and and I think the way Trent Barrett is responding is he's uh, rejigging a lineup of been giving some of the youngsters a chance to uh, get into some of those key positions uh, halfback for instance so it remains to be seen how that proceeds but another look another um, bit of a review I think uh, actually we'll do it later we'll do it yeah, we'll talk yeah. about the NRL women's game later yep Absolutely, yeah. Which um, I couldn't really come up with a men's highlight, so I just stuck that in there, Doctor T. But we'll talk about uh, the NRL uh, W semifinals, which were fantastic. So, um, shall yeah, we move on? Talk about let's move on. So, tackle number two. Here we go. All right. So it seems a big news item to come out of the NRL is uh, uh you know. Typical of uh, of Australian uh, players, sporting players, they tend to look to the United States uh, for their heroes. Uh, and I think Payne Haas and Albert Kelly got into a bit of a dust-up, and I think they, they channeled the Will Smith and Chris Rock <laughs> from the Oscars, uh, and, and they were... You know, there was a bit of video footage, etc., photos of, of them uh, kind of a bit of fisticuffs, uh, not really fisticuffs, it was a bit of pushing and shoving more than anything. Look, my question is, Tish, is it a storm in a teacup? What were they fighting about? Um, what It seemed like Albert Kelly was the instigator from all, all intents and purposes, but it's hard to tell. Do you know the latest? What is happening? Or should we just uh, speculate that they were just trying to reenact the Oscars scenario? What do you think? Yeah. Look, what, I, what I've heard, and um, not trying to be funny here, but apparently it was to do with Payne Haas's shoes. And uh, I think Albert Kelly might have accidentally... St- stepped on them or got them dirty or something like that, uh, which basically uh, Payne Haas did not like at all. Um, and then that's what's oh, wow. actually uh, happened. So, yeah, so, so Payne Haas uh, sensitive uh, about his shoes. Um, they, <laughs> oh, you know, it's kind of the, the thing. But, you you know, uh, I suppose 
he is still. I mean, I know he's in his twenties, so you know, like, um, but he's still. Well, he might not even be in his twenties, but he's a young. He's a young guy, right? Yeah, he's, he's in his. Tw- he's in his twenties. Yeah, yeah, twenty. Yeah, twenty twenty-two. Um, you know, so he's. Um, you know, he's still sort of learning the game, and you know, Albert Kelly's uh, one of these guys that are coming back into the NRL has got a chance to the Broncos and everything like this. So. Look, it's just it's just a bad image, particularly when they're losing as well, right? You know, it doesn't doesn't look good when you got players like that. You just got to realize that you know there are cameras everywhere. There's more scrutiny on these guys, and I think for the Broncos, I think they probably need a bit more, I suppose, player welfare type um, sort of scenario where you know where they could sort of um help you know not just coach these players to give their best on the field, but also help them out in terms of you know. How do you face difficult situations like somebody stepping on your shoes? You know, like yeah, yeah. like like it, it shouldn't be something that you should react in a very violent way towards as as far as I feel. Look, nobody's done it to me. So I haven't been in that situation where I've 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 uh, so so maybe I might react the same way. I don't know, Dr. T. Um, but I don't think it's a normal reaction. That's what I'm sort of saying. No, that's right. And look, whatever the case is, we know that the NRL Integrity Unit <laughs> is investigating, wow. headed by Jeff Tuvey, of course. No, of course, know, yeah. But, um, he, he loves investigations. But look, look, all we know for sure is that the, the NRL Integrity Unit is going to get to the bottom of this, whether it's a shoe or not that caused it. And all we know for sure is that uh, the outcomes – of this investigation will be taken more seriously than, uh, in fact, the investigation itself will be seriously undertaken as opposed to what the Oscars are doing uh, to, to investigate oh, yeah. the, the Will Smith slap incident. So Slapgate is uh, not really, I think, being taken seriously, uh, whereas the integrity unit Look, if you've got that bar as a threat, as a as a as a litmus test of how serious you're doing, the integrity unit will, won't have to do much to uh, supersede the Oscars in terms of how they're going to investigate their incident. But look, regardless of that, um, whether it was a drunken night out that that went all wrong, um, I wonder whether there's any underlying issues within the Broncos squad because let's not forget that they've had a tough time of it the last couple of years and they seem to have been, especially last year, prior to Adam Reynolds joining this year, just not really a unified unit, you know. Um, And maybe this is just an example of some underlying issues. I don't know about that. So hopefully the investigation will clarify what actually led to it. But what the investigation won't tell us is all the underlying stuff going on with the Broncos players, all the egos that uh, are so fragile that uh, stepping on someone's shoe will cause a drunken brawl. Um, Tish, last words before we move on. Well, in in the words of Susanna Vandana, I hope I got that name right, Devada, sorry, Susanna Devada, famous shoe consultant, um, she says that everyone has a shoe story. And, <laughs> and, look, and no just, doubt these two guys do. So, yeah. So, in, in the words of the great Elvis Presley, do not step on my blue suede shoes. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I may be misquoting him. 
but I think it's something like that. So there you go. Uh, look, let's move on to tackle number three. We're going to review the first month of the NRL in 2022. Here we go. All right, Tish, we are four weeks in, uh, four weeks done and dusted into the NRL season this year. Unreal. This mm. year has it been unreal? I think so. Yeah, there has been quite a few already highlights and lowlights. So, even though we're only four weeks in, we felt like let's let's have a review of uh, a monthly review, maybe uh, of of how we're performing as a as a, a competition, uh, and what are the things that have really stood out for us. So, yeah, let's start with the the obvious. So, best performers. Uh, let's look at which teams are performing well uh, and in particular, which individuals. So I'll open the floor to you, Tish. Teams and individuals, who are the best performers so far? Yeah, look, I've got to say uh, the Parent Panthers, I think clearly seem to be on top, Um, but I don't think Melbourne and Parramatta are that far behind. I'd say the three standouts when it comes to teams um, uh, at the moment, and I think they're all doing uh, pretty well. Um, totally in, agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Yep. In terms of performers, well, this is kind of interesting. Is because, like, I think there's been quite quite a vast array of of great performers. Probably the person I give it to is is actually I'm going to give it to both of them. I think the Parramatta halves, Moses and uh, Dylan Brown. I think Dylan Brown had a had a bit of a bit of a bit of an off year last year, but this year. Uh, you know their attack is humming, and I think part of it is Dylan doing Dylan doing so well, and I think also Moses, his control, um, and his ability to spot gaps. He's, um, you know, he's the epitome of of what they call eyes up football. He knows um, when to attack. He knows when to hold back. I feel like he's absolutely humming at the moment. So I'd say they they're kind of where I feel is like. You know what I feel is like like the good ones. I know Ryan Pippenhausen scored uh, like what three or four tries over the weekend, um, and he's had a pretty good start to the season too. Um, but but I'd say that they're they're the best. And um, yeah, the, the, what about your your thoughts there, Doctor? Oh, look, I agree in terms of uh, players. I think I think you're right. To me, the key. Well, there are a few key players. We talk about the spine in the Eels. Um, Reed Marnie has had a, you know some great games, and Dylan Brown. I think uh, he sh- he's shown on more than one occasion that he he is really the spark that sets Parramatta alight. I think um, without him doing what he does, Mitchell Moses can't do what he does. Clint Gutherson takes a bit of pressure on, off Clint if if uh, Dylan and Moses are doing their jobs, and of course Reed Marnie Marnie down the middle. Doing what uh, a good hooker will do, uh, ga- gaining yards, getting your momentum going forward, letting the forwards do what they need to do, and giving your your whole side momentum, um, and also being another option in terms of attack. And you know, all of those four are firing at the moment, and it's no surprise that the Eels are, in terms of their attacking football, doing fantastically. Um, I think I think the Eels and and the Storm are actually the two better performing teams. Uh, I'm not really sure, even though the Panthers are undefeated and, and uh, you know, they haven't really, I mean, they've played man, who have they played? They've played Manly, um, the Dragons, they just beat out the Dragons, but they flogged Manly initially and then they flogged the Knights. 
And then I suppose you could say they they soundly beat the Rabbitohs, who haven't necessarily been performing well anyway. So they haven't really been up against, you know, a team quality. that has, yeah, a high quality sort of team. But then you look at a Knights, uh, sorry, at the Eels. The Eels have played a blockbuster. I think game of the season so far was the Storm and the Eels um, match. It was not just because of the excitement of the finish with uh, obviously Roy Stone's uh, amazing, you know, performances there, but just the quality overall. I think you saw some absolutely brilliant football, um, you know, and and then uh, the Sharks as well, I think, have performed very well. So they've kind of kept under the radar there a little bit. Um, but, yeah, so, look, no team has really performed exceptionally well in every game, but I think the Eels and the Storm have shown that when – the time has called for it. They have stepped up and played really high quality football. So in terms of those teams, yeah, I, I would pick those two. And then really in terms of players, uh, yeah, some of the ones you mentioned, obviously the Eels players that I mentioned, but Pappenheisen for the Storm has been absolutely brilliant. I think the other player to look out for has has been Nico Hines, has taken mm. the Sharks by storm, <laughs> not by no, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry about that, that 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 joke there. But uh, look, uh, Nico Hines. Uh, look, I think I may have even predicted him as the Renaissance Player of the Year. Um, someone who's just uh, will will completely, um, you know, rise up in terms of his standing this year, and he's already shown that in in a few games that he's kind of the real X factor there at at the Sharks. So they're going to probably work out that they need to build their attack around him. Yeah. Um, and I think they've started to do that. And look, I think that's in from the like, – yeah, I can't really talk about the Roosters because they haven't really performed well in every game. But um, Joey Manu, I think, just look out for him this year because I think he's uh, he's got a lot more to show us. Um, but that's more just a prediction. But look, those were the high performers, uh, best performers. Let's talk about the worst performing teams. Now, look, if you're looking at the at the ladder, you know, it's pretty clear to see that there are there's one team there that's uh, that has not won a game. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, the West Tigers wow. have been absolutely terrible and almost every other team above them has shown potential to kind of be a top eight team, but the Tigers have not really shown anything at all. And I think, yeah, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the the big kind of decision to kind of go for two at the end there against the Titans instead of punishing them and trying to go for the win um, sort of tells you the mentality that they have. And I think Mike, uh, Michael McGuire has got a lot to uh, mm. to do to turn them around because I think – Mentally, they are not quite there, and I think, look, there's no doubt to you know I, I can't really pick another team that's been performing in a worse way because I think even the Bulldogs showed some fighting spirit in one of their games, and and the Tigers have not shown that, and it's a shame because I think the Tigers traditionally have been known to be the fighting, the battlers, especially now in representing Southwest Sydney mostly. You know, it seems like they've lost their way. So I think Madge has to do something with the Tigers, unfortunately. But Tish, in terms of uh, lowest performing teams, uh, do you have any other? Do you have any comments on the Tigers and on any other team that you want to nominate? 
Okay, so $3.75 is the Panthers to win the Premiership. $301 is the West Tigers after one month. <laughs> you know, oh, so, so so that is uh, that is that is showing how bad it is. And yeah, it's just look, they've they've forgotten the way to win, but they don't know how to win. Like like that's where it looks like at the moment. They've got the Sharks this week as well. So um, one of the teams that has definitely been um, a, a, like a really good side. So look, um, I, I think I think the Tigers, yeah, they they just um, yeah they've just, they've got a long way to go before they could get anywhere. Um, their for and against is is actually a bit better than some of the teams above them. So when they do get a win, as long as the other teams don't win that much, I feel like, and as long as they could stay competitive in all their games, they, they might have a chance to leapfrog a couple of teams. Um, but I think I think that's been uh, it, you know it's been it's been a bit terrible for them. And look, there are some other teams that sort of got off to a really good start. Um, but just in the last couple of weeks, they've kind of dropped off. I feel the Broncos is is one of is one side like that. It's it's kind of interesting, you know. They sort of had some really big wins to to begin, and now it's sort of, you know, you sort of hear the things in the media and different things are going on, and it just feels like it's, you know, they still have a long way to go. And another mm. team which a lot of people aren't talking about. I know, I know, it's easy to sort of look at the Bulldogs, look at the Raiders, uh, sorry, look at the Dragons, and and some of the other clubs, but. I also am a little worried about the Raiders, actually, um, because I don't think they're shown uh, that much either. You kind of don't really hear about them that much. They've, I mean, they've had two wins and two losses, but you know, it's this was a side that in you know just a couple of seasons ago, you know, they were in the grand final, and you know, they were a team that a lot of people felt could have won that grand final, and and since then they haven't really um, performed um, during this COVID period. I mean, they're a team that were able to beat the Storm, able to beat the Roosters. Um, you know, they're, they're probably knocked off Parramatta, uh, you know, Parramatta and and the Panthers over the last few years. But right now, they just don't seem to have. Yeah, not not too sure where where they're going to get uh, anything from. You know, it's 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 one of those situations. Um, Doctor T, any thoughts there on the Raiders? Yeah, they're they're one of those teams that I. It's hard to pick, and I think. In terms of our tipping, it's the Raiders are the kind of team that will absolutely surprise me. And just when I think that I know that they're not going to match it against the top contenders, they then pull off an amazing performance and, you know, completely shock us. And I think they've got the potential to do that almost more than any other team at the moment. Um, when they put it together, they can do some great things. And they're, they don't rely on, you know, some of the other teams like Manly rely too much, I think, on Turbo. and and they're too predictable in terms of being able to shut down their their players, whereas you can't really shut down a team like the Raiders. It's not like they centre their entire attack on a particular player. They've got some strike power all over the place, and it's also about the attitude and the fighting spirit as well. So, yeah, so and, and let's keep in mind that the, the team from a couple of years ago has changed dramatically. Um, so, you know, in terms of... Uh, some of the key players, there's been a lot lot of water that's flown under the bridge. They've lost players and regained them back again. And so, yeah, I wouldn't put them in. I'd put them in the too hard basket at the moment to predict um, rather than worst performing teams. So, um, and I think, look, you can argue that there are some disappointing teams, but, uh, uh, but yeah, I think for me, the Tigers uh, have certainly shown. Yeah. 
at the moment, very, very sadly. Um, and the other thing to consider, I guess, uh, you know, we we're talking before about for and against that. One thing I didn't mention is that, you know, the Eels have been, in terms of their attack, uh, number one at the moment. So they're the most, uh, scored the most points. But the teams that have been the best defensive teams have actually been the Sharks and the Cowboys. Wow. Um, but even more so than the Panthers and the Storm, who have had pretty good defenses. And so that tells you something that when you're playing the Sharks and the Cowboys, especially the Sharks, I think the Sharks have been. Uh, you know, again, they're sneaking up there. They're staying under the radar like the the Raiders used to do. And um, but yeah, let's let's just move quickly to worst performing individuals. It's hard to pinpoint, <laughs> and it's kind of it's kind of it may be a bit unfair to let, let's maybe change the narrative to you know who's who's disappointed you the most. And I think in my mind, I can't go past a player like Luke Brooks. I think mm. he's got he's always had so much potential and. If you look at Brooksy and Moses, who sort of came up together and made their name together in the yeah. halves, and you look at what Moses has done at Parramatta and what Brooks has failed to do at the Tigers, and you kind of think, well, you know he's got the talent, he's got potential, he just needs, I don't know, he just needs to put it together and make the decisions that need to be made to, you know. Um, so he's got to take more of a leadership role, I think. So I think as far as players you know being disappointing i think he's been one of those players that needs to really step up and take more of a leadership role at the tigers although how can you take a leadership role when you've got four other captains you yeah. know that's that's a problem that's probably another reason why the tigers are you know too many cooks uh, it's too hard to get leadership when you've got five leaders uh, that yeah. makes no sense so there needs to be I think the the players that aren't doing so well, the teams that aren't doing so well, are the ones that maybe need to look at themselves in terms of accountability and uh, and really own. And look, you know, we're one month in. There's still time to turn it around. I think there, you know, literally only four games. There's plenty of time for the Raiders, plenty of time for the Tigers, and any other team that's disappointed you guys out there to turn it around. And I think that's why we kind of wanted to do a first month review. Because I think this is a time to look back and think, you know, um, if you're a coach, if you're a fan, if you're a player, w- have a look at yourself and see what, what's been happening and and uh, think about that and truthfully work out a way forward. So, Tish, um, to the extent that you can pick a player that's disappointed you the most, who would you pick? Yeah. Well, you know, just just on uh, Luke Brooks, I think, um, I think, I think that whole captain – See thing is interesting. It's, it's much talked about. Um, you know, Brooks has been there longer than the other other leaders. So if he was a standout leader in the locker room and in sort of the week to week, you know, the training, the preparation, then I think the role would have just been his. Um, but it, there's probably something there that he needs to work on that isn't there, right? And that's kind of uh, it's it's kind of interesting how that how that's all playing out. So, um, you know, but hopefully he's definitely got the talent. Hopefully we could see it come out this year. Um, and look, you know, he does. He's not the one taking the hit ups, or he's not the one that's. But but I think I think a decision like the two point decision, like <laughs> the decision to go for the penalty, um, you know, in terms of calling the sets. Okay, this is where I want the team to be, so I could kick a forty twenty or a twenty forty or whatever. Um, you know, taking charge of of how of where the opposition starts their sets. I think all that stuff. Um, you know, that force. You know, that that force to be reckoned with 
or that for, or, or the voice in the team. I don't know if that's something that he's uh, still getting comfortable with, and I think that's kind of been that. Um, yeah, as far as other players there, like, you know, I've got to say that um, I don't know how the Adam Reynolds uh, experiment or the Adam Reynolds with Brisbane is going right now. I think he himself has tried his best, but I don't know if that impact has been there. Um, and I think the other one is Matt Burton. Um, I think Matt Burton's played well, but, you know, he was supposed to be the great Bulldog saviour and, um, you know, um, by not being able to score points against Melbourne and and just sort of, you know, that they only scored a try against the Cowboys as well. They've, you know, <laughs> they're, they're really not humming the way that it was all set to do. So I think... Um, you know, both those guys are at new clubs. It takes a while. I get it. Um, but just think about how well Nico Hines is doing um, at his new club, right? And then it kind of, uh, I think from that point of view, you can sort of say that they've been a little disappointing. But the good news for all of them, as you said, it's only the first four weeks. Um, uh, particularly if you're going to a new club, it takes time to get uh, to gel. And maybe, maybe in this month, it will actually improve for them. Yeah, absolutely. And uh well, we get we'll get to that next in terms of what's next. But look, very quickly, uh quick highlights and lowlights in the last month. In my mind, Tish, I'll go for the ones that we saw this weekend. The highlight to me was the Moses try with the Bryce Cartwright flick pass. I think that just I've, I've watched the replay of it so many times. I just still can't fathom how quick that was. Uh, there have been other really great tries as well. Pappenheisen's been part of a few of those. Nico Hines as well. But I think in my mind, this Moses try was, uh, you know, if they need any motivation going into the semifinals, if anyone's down, if Brad Arthur's thinking that the motivation-wise the Eels team is down, I think all he needs to do is pull out the YouTube and show them the, that try, <laughs> you know, and, and a few other tries in that game because just to remind them of what they're capable of. So I think that's been a highlight for me. And look, another low light again from round four uh, is the the ridiculous <laughs> try that the Titans scored against the Tigers in the last minute. Not so much for the lead up and the fact that the Tigers gave them the opportunity. It was just such a farcical kind of try. I think um, it was just unbelievable uh, how how the Titans managed to score that and. Um, yeah, so I think it, to me that was a low light just because it sort of it uh, punctuated a really poor quality game with a really poor quality try and a yeah. huge try, and I think um, I think we could we should sooner forget this than uh, than not, and I think let's just put it behind us. I think both teams because mm. I think both teams have got a lot more potential than that, and I think they look at that as a maybe maybe they could their respective coaches could use that as a motivating tool as well show them the video and say this is what we don't do <laughs> you know and then show them the moses video and, and say this is what we try to do mm. um but yeah those have been in my highlights and lowlights for the last four months uh, uh for weeks yes uh yep you're there dr t yep yep okay so for me i think we had a bit of a uh, a connection issue there. But anyway, look, for me, I would say um, some of the tries we've seen in the NRL so far this year, season, um, there was the Moses, well, there was a Moses kick um, in round one against the Titans that led to a try, which I thought was absolutely phenomenal. 
Um, I'd also like to put in there a, a Xavier quotes, uh, try we sort of the vertical leap. Um, probably could have won, you know, could have probably could have medaled in the Olympics. That's how high he sort of went. Um, and then, yeah, and then, yeah, as you said, that the, the, the Parramatta tries over the weekend as well. Fantastic. We're some really good that. I think another highlight has been some of the closer games. I know the Titans and Tigers were the close game this week, but, you know, the, the Latrell two point field goal, for example, to send it into overtime. And then having the um, you know, having having the uh, you know, the 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 try, you know, the the uh, Peppenhausen kicking against Melbourne, I think that was great. I think there was another. Um, there's been a few overtime games that you know the Raystone try as well, um, golden try at moment as well. So I think seeing these oh, yeah, unreal yeah. sort of tries, you know, and um, even the Rabbitohs, they came like they sort of were l- losing a game. Uh, with only about 10 minutes to go without scoring any points. And then they were suddenly able to tie it at the end. So just some of these sort of uh, unreal moments, which I think we've seen a few of them already. So um, that's it. Probably the lowlights. Um, you know, there was a, a West Tigers try that should have been referred um, and was given no try. Um, and then that referee was not sacked, which I think is uh, outrageous. Um, and then I think on top of that, there was other refereeing decisions. A few of these had been issues where they've got the doctor in the bunker and the you know he calls it late and then you go back and actually look and it's a head eye tackle and but nothing gets done about it and like these reviews upon reviews and an analysis and then you know I think I think the whole uh injuries and penalties and all that system I think it's been a bit of a low light to be fair. I, I think it's getting way too confusing to figure out what's actually happening with the rules. Um, yeah, and that's, and that's probably it for me there, Dr. T. All right, and finally, uh, what next? So let's yeah. predict what's going to happen next in the next month or so. Um, I'll go through this really quickly. And, look, in my mind, there's four things that I see ahead of us. The Sharks are going to rise up, so I think they'll uh, – no longer be under the radar. I think they'll show everyone that they're, they're really real contenders. In contrast, the Roosters, I think, will fall and they'll start to fall um, fairly soon. Uh, and I think the Tigers will get up off the mat. So I think Madge does have some changes in store. Um, and if it's not him that does it, then he may be in the firing line, unfortunately, uh, which will probably change things anyway for the Tigers. So I'm looking to see them uh you know improve and start to really really look into it uh seriously and finally uh non-field related but off the field i think the tv ratings of the nrl are going to they're already pretty strong but they're going to improve versus the afl as time goes on and i think which is very interesting as there are negotiations coming up for the next tv deal and uh some decisions to be made about how streaming services are incorporated into that so that's my prediction for the next month tish what are yours well i think i think the panthers um the eels and the storm are going to continue to sort of um dominate in the month of april um i don't think they they meet i don't think these three teams actually beat uh this this month um but they do meet in the first week of may it's going to be a, a Parramatta eels game which i think would be phenomenal right so I think I will see that. Um, and, yeah, I, I kind of um, probably disagree with the Roosters. That, that They have a pretty easy draw. 
um, there. But I think the Cowboys is going to be – I think they're a bit of a sleeper team in in that the defense is fantastic, um, but obviously their attack, uh, you know, hasn't been the best. You know, they've, they're playing the Warriors this week. They play the Raiders and then they play um, the Titans. Um and then yeah, and then after that they'll play um, in in like you know the last week of April, they'll end up playing uh, who do they play? They play the Eels. So three out of four games, um, I think they're going to be a, a lot higher position than what many people said they would be. Um, that's what I kind of think will happen, and then they could be you know around the you know uh, sort of bottom of the top eight or even into the top four. So yeah. Well, they're already in the top eight at the moment. I think it's uh, it's all about top four now. And I think apart from the three teams you mentioned, Penrith, Parramatta and the Storm, I think there's real there's a real competition for who's going to be that fourth team, uh, you know, long-term. And I think the Sharks have sort of shown they're capable of doing it, but Cowboys can certainly turn it up and uh, let's see how they go. Look, that is our review of the first month and now a bit of a preview into what we expect in next month. But let's move on. To the next tackle, tackle number four. Here we go. All right, Tish, uh, some news out of Great Britain. What do you have for us? Yes, well, um, yeah, a bit of good news. Um, good, positive headlines from rugby league. That's why you never hear about it in. Australian newspapers, <laughs> but former, you know, Leeds in Great Britain halfback Rob Burrow has received uh, an MBE for his services in rugby league and the MND community. Uh, the MND stands for Murder Neurons Disease. Um, he was given uh, the uh, MBE by her. How do you say this? Her Her Majesty's. Yeah, uh, where is it? So, Her Royal Highness. Her Royal Highness. Yeah. Who, who was it? Who was it? Princess Prince Royal uh, Patron. It says here. So I'm not actually oh, okay. sure who it is, but it could be um, the sister, I think. But um, <laughs> but there we go. <laughs> um, yeah, two service of motorists degrees. The former yeah England and lead runners player was diagnosed with with um, you know motor neurons disease in 2019, uh, and since then he has campaigned heavily to raise awareness for his condition and and helping that out. So. Look, I think well done, Rob Borrow, and and good to see him actually being, um, you know, honoured um, by the Duke of Cambridge. Um, who, yeah, who is the Duke of Cambridge uh, at the moment? Not sure. Um, did I have elections for for the Duke of Cambridge? How does that work? <laughs> is it Craig Kelly? <laughs> <laughs> so isn't. Isn't the Duke of Cambridge? It's Prince William. Uh, it? Prince William. Yeah, I believe it's Prince William. Yeah, I, I get confused. Is he a prince? Is he a duke? The the answer is he's neither. I, I don't know. Like I don't. Yeah. Know. He's he's in the next get coming up next on Oprah's interviews. <laughs> prince Harry <laughs> followed by the Duke and slash Prince of whatever. Prince um, of whatever. Look, yeah. yeah. No, you did. Let, let me just clarify. So the, you did mention the. MBE was awarded by what's called the Princess Royal. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I have a tough time working out what these categories and, and titles actually mean. But, yeah, um, uh, but we you were talking about, I think, Kevin Sinfield was, was given uh, an OBE last year 
I think, by the Duke of Cambridge. So, oh, there we go. you know, it's, yeah, that's right. So that's the link here. And look, um, yeah, look, absolutely great considering, uh, you know, Rob Burrow devastated by motor neuron disease and uh, doing his best to kind of bring attention to it uh, and raise awareness. And uh, and it's really great that, that, that his work has been recognised, that he's been recognised for the work that he's done. So that's fantastic. Um, but, yeah. Really so good Princess stuff. Royal and it's good, is, it's good Prince is, is Princess Anne, right? I believe. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, there I'll we go. quickly Google what that means. Yeah, yeah. It could be, who knows, I'm still stuck on, um, you know, Edward the Confessor and uh, the Battle of Hastings. But anyway, but look, I, 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 th- I it's think... Princess Mary. No, hang on. <laughs> Uh, this this doesn't look right. If you Google if you Google Princess Royal and you click on the first thing, you get uh, like a, a a painting from the 1600s. Oh wow! <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not um, who it is at the moment. <laughs> so, but you're right. It's it seems to be that it's supposed to be Princess Anne, but that's not who. Um, I don't think. That is, is who actually presented the award team, but oh, no, maybe it was. Maybe, I think we're looking at the wrong thing. I think if you look up uh, the uh, the news article, it's uh, uh, it doesn't necessarily show you the right person. But anyway, it doesn't matter. But yeah, look, Rob Burrow, well done. It is great news. I think um, whenever we see uh, titles bestowed on people who are well deserving and for work that they're doing, as opposed to. Um, you know, the typical thing that you see in the other rugby code where, uh, you know, it, it's always given to a player who's been, you know, the, the award of Sir or whatever is usually whoever manages to win a World Cup as opposed to what have they actually done for the community. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's mind-boggling the, the kind of way titles are given in other sports, but I think in this case it's very well-deserved. So... Um, yeah, as you said, very very good to hear good news stories as opposed to the constant negativity around rugby league in the media. Um, yeah. Final thoughts before we move on? No, I think it's great. So well done, Rob. And um, yeah, hope to see more MBEs given out to rugby league players and former rugby league players for not just their rugby league contribution, but their contribution in the community. So um, a great example to follow for many rugby league players. Yeah, well done. Um, all right, let's move on to tackle number five, our grand final preview of the NRL W. Here we go. All right, so our grand final preview of the NRL W. I know we haven't spoken much about the game, uh, but I think it's crunch time now and we are at grand final. So let's... Before we talk about grand final, let's talk about um, the semi-finals, which were played last week and uh, at Leichhardt Oval in Sydney. Um, and we saw uh, team the the number two versus number three team Dragons versus Titans in one game, and then number one versus number four uh, Broncos versus Roosters. So in the Broncos, uh, sorry, in the Dragons and Titans game, uh, we saw. The Dragons defeating the Titans twenty-four to eighteen, uh, and that was the only tip out of that the two of us got right, and was me. I got that one right. 
and the rest we were completely wrong and I, and we'll go into that in a minute but in terms of the dragons uh game against the titans look the titans were i think completely outplayed by the dragons they scored two very very late tries uh remembering this is a 70 minute game the women's game as opposed to where uh the men's game is usually 80 minutes and we had the tries in, I think, the 63rd and 66th minute or 66 and 69th or something like that. So really late tries by the Titans, which I think flattered them a little bit in terms of the score. But I think the Dragons really outplayed them and uh, got off to a great start and stayed there for most of the game and probably let their guard down a little bit when they knew the game was already won. Um, having said that, at the end, it was only a converted try, 24 to 18, but very, very well deserved. I think the Dragons have been knocking on the door of a premiership victory. So they well deserved the first team, I believe, into the grand final they were. And then the following game, which was a real cracker in mm. terms of uh, quality, was the Broncos and the Roosters. And, and look, what happened here was the, the Broncos, you know, who are the three-time champions of uh, in the women's game, uh, current champions and uh, defending premiers rushed out to a 16-0 lead after only 14 minutes. So they scored three quick tries and you thought the game's over, but no, um, the Roosters managed to claw their way back and they ended up, you know, with some time to spare, fighting back and ended up winning 22-16 to uh, which was absolutely brilliant, led by, um, you know, players like Jessica Sergis, who has been one of the, the key players, uh, the key kind of high-profile players, shall we say, in the NRLW uh, for, for a few years anyway. And, and so, yeah, look, well done. Tish, did you catch any of it or do you have a comment on, in particular, the Broncos and the Roosters game? Yeah, well, look, that was actually my highlight of the week because I did – uh, catch most of this game and um, you know the first I actually felt that even when the Broncos were scoring their tries they were kind of getting the advantage a lot like I felt like some of the decisions that were 50-50 were sort of going their way a few different things like that um, and I was just really hoping that the Roosters could hang in and they did and then they were able to just turn it around which I thought it was a, a really brilliant performance and really high quality rugby league um, from both teams but I thought I thought that was an absolute cracker and, and look, just before that, like, I did catch the end of the Dragons-Titans game, and I do remember the Titans had two plays at the end of the game where they just had scored, and then they, I think they had about 30 seconds left, and they weren't able to score to send it into Golden Point. Um, but, look, re- some really good effort from both teams. I like the fact that neither of the teams – it felt like um, – I just think um, maybe these the uh, the finals part of the round that you sort of, when you watch these games, you feel it this way. But I feel like n- nobody was giving up on the field. Um, it was like everybody was giving it their all. And, um, you know, they were all out there trying to win the game as, as much as possible. And I really like what I saw, like, just from a pure attitude and effort point of view. I thought it was, it was brilliant. And I think definitely the standard of rugby league um, in the NRLW is is imp- improving. I think it's night and day between where they started and where they are at the moment. Um, and the good news is that this is actually um, I did I did actually confirm that there will be another um, NRL NRLW season um, towards the end of the season this year. So there will be a 
So I think this is a catch-up on 2021. Um, but there will be a 2022 season. Uh, I don't know if 2020 Pup B, I don't know how, how they're going to name it, but they'll figure <laughs> is this that like out. Is this like the Tokyo 2020 Olympics was held in 2021? Yeah, something like is that. It's a bit like that, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think it's confusing. a bit like that. Yeah, it's a bit confusing. And then so, but I think, I think um, you know, so, so and plus you got women's set of origin and um, I know they're going to be participating in the World Cup as well. So I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna be in store for some really great, high quality women's rugby league, which I think is fantastic. So um, and looking right. forward to this grand final. This all Queensland grand final that I predicted is now not going to happen. And now they're playing. <laughs> they're playing at the. It's uh, an all Sydney grand final in Redcliffe. In Redcliffe. So there you go. <laughs> there we go. There you go. So look, let's go through. So the game will be played on Sunday, the 10th of April at Morton Daly Stadium at Redcliffe, the home of the Dolphins in the NRL. And as as I said, it's an all-Sydney affair, Dragons and Roosters. And in fact, it's uh, it's it's almost an Anzac Day test. You know, yeah, like that's the, the Anzac, Day, Anzac Day game, the same, same teams. And let's go through quickly the team lineups and then we'll sort of give our view about where we think uh, who, the, who the key players to watch are and what our predictions are. So here we go. So for the Dragons, we have uh, uh, fullback Emma Tonegato, the wingers Tegan Berry and Madison Bartlett, centres Jamie Chapman and Paige McGregor, halves Talia Fuimuano and Rachel Pearson, and the forwards Elsie Albert, Keely Davis, Kizzy Apps, Tale Holmes, Shaylee Bent and Holly Wheeler. And the interchange bench uh, so far is Quincy Dodd, Cody House, Tegan Dimmick, and Janelle Williams. On the Roosters side, we've got uh, Corbin Baxter in fullback, wingers Leanne Tafuga and Bridie Parker. Centres, obviously, Jessica Sergis is there and Isabel Kelly. The halves are Zahara Tamara and Racine McGregor. And the forwards are Sarah Togatuki. Olivia Higgins, Maya Hill Moana, Yasmin Meeks, Olivia Koenig, and Hannah Southwell with interchange, Jocelyn Kelleher, Keely Joseph, Taylor Predabon, and Simone Carpani. Now, when you look at uh, you know what happened on the weekend that's gone by, you would you would you would think that the Roosters on a high defeating the minor premiers. Uh, and three-time champions and current defending champions, the Roosters would be entitled to feel like they're they're uh, you know they're on a high. And in fact, if you look at uh, the one one aspect of the game where they've got it over the Dragons, it's in grand final experience. The Roosters have ten players that have grand final experience in their squad. Uh, seven of those played in the twenty twenty decider. And in contrast, you've got the Dragons have only five players with grand final experience and four of those played in 2019 decider. Obviously, in both occasions, those uh, those that played for Roosters and Dragons would have lost to the Broncos. So this is kind of new territory for both teams. Um, one of these teams will stand as the victors. And so all the talk about grand final experience will all come down to performance on the day. Um, when we look at uh, the Dragons, Jamie Soward, the coach, has named a full-strength squad. Tegan Dimmick has been included in the 17 every week, but he's recovering from a broken hand. And Cody House has started in recent weeks over Tele Holmes and he's likely to do so again. 
On the Rooster side, Sarah Tokatuki has been named at Properties Free-to-Play after she was successful in having her careless high-tackle charge downgraded at the judiciary last night uh, uh, to play. And Olivia Higgins picked up an ankle injury on Sunday, but is expected to be back for the decider. So those are some of the housekeeping uh, sort of things that that, that are the, uh that kind of may contribute to your prediction. But look, in, when all is said and done, I think the players to watch are from the Dragon side. There are a couple of players. There's Keezy Apps, of course, who, uh, you know, was the inaugural female Dalian player of the year in 2016, has been a critical kind of part of, of the game and, and, and a consistently high performer. Um, I would say look out for Tegan Berry on the wing, who has uh, performed pretty well uh, recently. And, you know, hopefully she'll be able to uh, put it together on the big occasion. She was, I think, uh, you know, she her job is to score tries and she's been doing that. So let's see what happens. And on the Rooster side, you've got obviously Jessica Sergis is really the, the key here. We're talking about the, the previous Golden Boot winner in 2019, well, one of the recent Golden Boot winner in 2019. She was also Dalian medalist and RLPA player of the year that year as well. And so, you know, you've got a couple of superstars there who are also high performers. And I, I'm expecting to see some great things, especially from Keezy and Jessica Sergis. Um but there are certainly a whole bunch of other players. It is a team sport, so it is all about how the team performs. And I think the Roosters, even though they'd be buoyed by what happened against the Broncos, I still think it's really the Dragons would consider themselves to be the favourites. And I think they'll go on and take this uh, against the Roosters, take the grand final. So, Tish, uh, what are your views, Dragons? The Roosters, uh, we're about to head into the tips tackle anyway, so we may as well end yeah. this one on our tips. So what do you think? Look, I'm going to tip the Dragons too. And the player that I think is, uh, and I think the player that I think could really do this is actually their fullback, Emma Tonegato. And uh, the reason why I say that is because she is, in fact, a gold medal winner from the 2016 Sevens, uh, you know, rugby tournament in from Rio, right? So wow. I think that experience of, uh, you know, obviously a Sevens convert. I think the Dragons have actually more than one um, that were that that have done that. I, but I, but I do believe that that is like that's some really good experience. And you watch her play; she is probably um, you know she's right up there um, for somebody who's just very new to the sport. Um, in terms of playing fullback, I suppose sevens is actually a really good training ground for fullback. Lots of open space. You know, you sort of, t- you know, sort of turning it, attacking to de- like sorry, defensive to attack all the time. But I think, I think just having that person that has uh, been to the biggest stage of their all when it comes to sport, um, and being sort of that safe person in the background, plus the experience they have with their Origin players, the experience they have um, with their you know players that play in the grand final. I believe they'll they will they will be right for the occasion. So I'm going to tip the dragons on this one, and um, really really uh, excited to to see this uh, game over the weekend. Absolutely, and good luck to all the ladies involved and and everyone uh, who's involved in this. Uh, hopefully, we'll get uh, a bumper crowd there at Redcliffe, and uh, you know, well deserved as well because I think they've been putting on some great performances this year. Um, All right, let's move on to our final tackle, our tips for round five of the NRL. Here we go. 
right. So, look, considering all of our eight tips for the men's game and the two tips for the women's game, I got in, uh, six out of 10 last week and you got five out of 10, which brings my total to 22 equal to your total of 22 <laughs> oh, so far this year. So we'll see how we go. Um, look, and uh, let me uh, – sorry, okay, we've got uh, – you said you tipped the Dragons as well, so I'm just going to make a note of that in the NRLW. But let's go on to the NRL round five. Um, our tips, Manly – sorry, Newcastle at home against Manly. Um, I actually think the Knights will win this one. Well, I'm going to tip the Sea Eagles, um, but, yeah – Going to be a blockbuster, I think, this game. All right. The Warriors versus the Cowboys at Morton Daly Stadium. I think the Cowboys, uh, I think you're right. I think they're, um, they've are they got a lot to prove and they've shown that they're mm. great defensively so far. So Cowboys yeah, for mine. Yeah, Cowboys. I think they're a bit of a sleeper club, so I'm going to tip the Cowboys for mine. The Broncos and the Roosters. Um this, I think, is the, the game where the Broncos bounce back. At Suncorp Stadium on Friday night, it's their thing, and I think uh, they will do it against the Roosters. I think the reason being we've got Adam Reynolds at halfback there, who knows a thing or two from his time playing in the Rabbitohs at, uh, in terms of how to defeat the Roosters. So I think, yeah, um, this is where the, South, uh, the, the Sydney Roosters fall begins, I think. Uh, Broncos for mine. Yeah, well, I'm going to tip the Roosters and, you know, Adam Reynolds is, um, you know, 5'8 partner for the 2014 Grand Final is playing against him, uh, Luke Keery. Um, it's, <laughs> so it's always great to watch like these uh, half and 5'8 combinations when they have to play against each other, right? Um, it's like, it's like, a, like, you know, when uh, two people meet after they've broken up. <laughs> That's right. All right, Raiders versus Storm. Now, we talked about, look, I'm going to tip the Raiders. Now, hear me out here. The Raiders have, <laughs> before we go into it, the Raiders have won two and lost two. And the two that they've won, they've been at home. And the two that they've lost have been away. So if home ground advantage is anything to go by, I wonder whether a 3 p.m. game in Canberra on Saturday, the 9th of April, is going to... Well, I'm saying now I just saw Jared Sutton is a referee. So I might, I might change my mind. No, no, I won't. I'll stick with the Raiders because I think despite having Jared Sutton as a referee, I think the Storm, as high quality as they are, there there are always a few teams that are their, their, uh, their weaknesses. And I think the Raiders is one team that can do it. So it, this is my gamble of the weekend, the Raiders for mine. Okay. I'm going to tip the Storm. If there is a team that could handle a three o'clock Saturday game in Canberra and those conditions, it's going to be the <laughs> Melbourne storm, which I think, yeah, I don't think climate's going to be an issue for them. And uh, yeah, we'll see how they go. Yeah. They can handle a bit of cold and it's not going to even going to be that cold. So there you go. Um, all right. Rabbitohs versus dragons at uh, stadium Australia on the 9th uh, of April, but that's a five thirty game, the twilight game. I think the Rabbitohs will win this one quite easily yeah this is like um a team that's rising versus a team that's falling so i'm going to tip the rabbit because i feel like they're sort of rising at the moment um they were ordinary in the first couple of weeks but they're sort of picking it up 
Meanwhile, the Dragons were pretty good in the first couple of weeks and um, and now um, <laughs> are climbing themselves down a little bit. All right. Titans versus Eels. Uh, Eels for mine. This is going to be uh, another flogging, I believe. Yeah, I'm going to tip the Eels. And I'm just wondering, didn't these guys play in round one? Uh, I think you may be right. In fact, let me have a quick yeah. look. Great work. Which is kind of weird. So within five weeks, we've seen <laughs> the same teams play each other. Well, the good news what's, is for the Titans, what's going on? They don't have to play Parramatta till the end of the season now if they make it right. So yeah. Well, they only lost. They only lost by four points. Uh, Eels were home, only won by four. And having said that, it was the first game. So you know, a uh, bit of cobwebs to dust off there. Um, look. So you're tipping eels. Uh, next one is Sharks v Tigers. I think the Sharks are going to win this one quite easily. But don't be surprised if the Tigers ambush the Sharks. Look, I'm going to have to start going for the Tigers now. They need something, so I'm just going to tip the Tigers. They're just going to win out of desperation. I don't know. They might flatten the uh, the Tigers, uh, sorry, the Sharks team bus so they can't make it and uh, win via forfeit. I don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> they just have to figure out a way to win, you know. Dirty tricks, that's what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe some, oh, no, but laser pointers in in uh, in the eyes of the goal kickers when they're going for goal. <laughs> no, but let's, know. we do not condone now. I'm just, I'm referring to those soccer hooligans in the, uh, that knocked Egypt out and Mohamed Salah and players like that. So anyway, we don't want that in this game. This is why we're more professional and, and uh, upper class game than that soccer game that uh, the peasants play. Anyway, <laughs> the Bulldogs versus the Panthers, the battle of, well, west slash southwest of Sydney, I guess. Mm, mm. Um, look, the Bulldogs have gambled a little bit and they're getting, I think they're getting a new halfback uh, this weekend. Uh, potentially there'll be other changes. So, I still think that's not going to do much because I think the Panthers are just way too far ahead of them anyway in terms of quality this year. So I think the Panthers will win this one, but maybe not as easily as I would have hoped. Yeah. Thought. Well, Dr. T, you know, uh, I think I think um, Parramatta versus Panthers is the Battle of the West. Um, Tigers versus Panthers is Battle of the Cats. And then so when it comes to Bulldogs and Panthers, I think this is the Battle of the Westies or... <laughs> The Battle of the Rashes. Um, not too sure where they'd go, <laughs> but I'm gonna start, I'll probably go with the Panthers on this. Well, I think you have to. Um, and um, you know, it, it's it's a bit weird because um, you know, there's there's Naden. I think there's actually a few players. Uh, obviously, Trent Barrett's old, you know, old uh, cover is assistant coach in as well. Uh, a couple of players from the Bulldogs as well. So I think they will play a bit above. Their normal standard, the Bulldogs to try and try and uh, obviously, you know, there's be a bit bit of passion, but I think ultimately, uh, the Panthers are just so professional. Um, they're like professional winners at the moment, so um, I think it will take a lot to unseed them, and I don't think the Bulldogs got the five how to do it. Yeah, and look, the only thing be- before we wrap up that I'd like to say is that like this would be, I guess, the the Phil Gould Cup and uh, <laughs> the battle for the Phil Gould Cup, and if anyone knows. The ins and outs of the Panthers. It's the man who has really built their success. Uh, you know, the academy, the ten-year, the five-year plan that takes ten years, 
and but but eventually does get the result that you want. Um, and really, someone who's uh, you know he is a man that that has built Penrith to be what it is, and he's now trying to do the same thing at the Bulldogs to turn that ship around and to instill that kind of winning mentality good quality kind of recruitment and all sorts of things. And, and, and just when you think, well, if that may change your mind, you know, betters out there, uh, tipsters out there, would that change your mind? Well, this week, just when we need him most for the Feel Good Cup, I've noticed on Twitter, he has been struck down by COVID. Oh, so, so he's in isolation. So I don't know how much he's going to, how much influence Feel Good will have why he's in isolation. Who knows? It may even have a good a bounce back effect. Maybe it'll make the Bulldogs a little bit better having to not listen to Phil Gould for a little bit to motivate him, motivate them going into the game. So this could be the game that we're both wrong, Tish, and that the Bulldogs in probably the upset of the year if they manage to upset the, the Panthers. But we will have Gus Gould to blame or to credit, depending on which side of the ledger you are, for a, a famous victory. And this is, of course, in, uh, well, at the moment, it's an alternate universe. So let's see if it happens in reality. But, yeah, who knows? The Gus Gould Cup with Gus who's isolating with COVID, how much influence does he have? Um, stay tuned. This time next week we'll find out. Yeah. So, anyway. And interestingly, this game is being played at uh, Parramatta's home ground. Well. <laughs> Well, no, it's the Bulldogs' home ground at the moment, but yeah. Well, it, it's technically their home ground as well. So, yeah, I mean, that's another thing. But look, um, that wraps up the tips and that wraps up this podcast episode. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening in and hope you had a good time. And uh, as as we normally do, please feel free to contact us at ourrepublic at gmail.com. Check out our website, ourrepublic.com. And I think you can catch us on the usual places, Facebook, Twitter, iTunes with links to our podcast episodes. You can listen to them all, download them all, etc. And please subscribe as well. It helps us out. Thank you very much, Tish, for uh, for this episode. I'll hand over formally to you to do the royal uh, g- goodbye. Well, well certainly, uh, Sir Doctor T. But look, that's all that we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We are host Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.